Welcome back. This is part two of 90s action movies. To kick off the second half, we're going to hear about Andrew and Bart's jobs in the entertainment industry. All right, Bart, you are the supervising producer on NBC's The Voice. Yes. For someone who's never worked in TV production, how would you explain your main job? I mainly interview coaches, do kind of some of the creative behind how we shoot things. I'll be very involved in the edit. And then at the end of each year, I'll kind of write some of the coach packages and stuff. So it's mostly like some of the creative stuff. It's the kind of show where everybody does a little bit of everything. So you kind of get your hands in all the different parts of production. It's pretty great. I will say this, Bart, he may be, you know, a three-time Emmy Award winner, but he will always be the voices person who brought, let's bring the elephant in the room joke to the voice. It is by far the best moment in television, not because it's a great joke. It's because he got Kelly Clarkson, <laughs> Avril, uh, no, 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 it was, it was like Gwen Adam Stefani Levine. and Blake Shelton. Oh my God. So he got Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani to do, we need to talk about the elephant in the room where they cut and they see a giant elephant in the room and it's a beautiful moment and it's, it's so Zucker Abrams Zucker and beautiful and so Bart and just seeing that on national television warmed my heart and that alone is worth Three Emmys. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go back and see that. I don't. I don't think I ever saw that part. He's not excited. I brought that up. <laughs> I'm I looking at him like she's just like shut up, shut up. No, no. I think it was when Blake and Gwen first started dating, and you know they obviously like got together on the show, and so when they came back together for the first time, it was like let's talk about the elephant in the room. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> okay, Andrew. I want to know a little bit about Severin Films. What do you guys specialize in? Man, so anything people don't like is our specialty. Right now, we are the prominent Italian ripoff distributor in America. And I'm very, I wear that with a badge of honor. So if you ever wanted to see what Italy thought of a Terminator 2, I can show you three spinoffs where someone's like, Terminator 2 did it wrong. They didn't do the script of Aliens when they should have done Aliens. That would have been a better movie. So why don't we put Arnold Schwarzenegger in Aliens? But we also do a lot of uh, restoring of old classic films that are more forgotten, great films as opposed to good looking films. We're very, we're very deep into content as far as like quality putting out films that wouldn't normally get kind of a thing in the hit and we fill it, fill it, fill it with bonus features of historical context, just impact and just letting people understand why this film was important and why it shouldn't be forgotten. You guys are also releasing Overboard with yeah, Goldie oh yeah. Hawn We're and Kurt Russell. <laughs> not, a, not a joke. We that dipped is... our toes into the very odd place for us where my boss drunkenly bought the rights to Overboard. And so we're putting out a brand new 2K restoration of Overboard. Great movie. Yeah, great movie. And we're doing that. And yeah, we do a lot of a lot of stuff. And, and it's only been getting bigger. I've been there for about five years now. And you guys release all the stuff that you won't find on streaming. It's definitely like cinephile heaven. So many great movies that would be lost and in a sea of One of know, the nothing. films that I have been very fortunate to work on may or may not be talked about today. Oh. I think that is the most important thing. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right, let's get back into our capsule questions. What's the most awesome, mind-blowing stunt in any 90s action movie? We've been talking about Jackie Chan a lot, which is, I'm sure, annoying. But this one is a Jackie Chan movie, but the stunt is not Jackie. Oh. The craziest, so, so he had a movie, Police Story 3, Super Cop in America. And the last 20 minutes of that movie are insane. 
Jackie's on a helicopter, hanging off a ladder, they're on a train. But Michelle Yao, the greatest stunt in the movie, she has been, she has done amazing things in America. Yeah, uh, since Crushing Tiger, since Hidden Dragon. Crushing Tiger, Hidden Dragon. She was in um, Crazy Rich Asians mm-hmm. as, as the mom. But she started out as a dancer and ended up being like in these action movies in Hong Kong. And in the end of Super Cop, there's a scene where Jackie's on the train and she's trying to get on the train. She's on a like a motorbike, like a, what do you call that? A supercross bike. Yeah. And she's running parallel to the train, hits a ramp and basically jumps onto the tr- top of a train with her motorbike. And she actually does it. Like you see it. Yeah. That's the and thing. And yeah. when you watch it, cause I went back and watched it. She barely makes it her wheels. Cause you know, it's, it, she almost lands in between two cars. So it's like the front wheel barely hits the front car and then the bike kind of falls out under her when she lands on it. But it's one of the craziest stunts I've ever seen. And she kind of outdoes Jackie in that movie. And it's uh, yeah, that's so that's why she's dangerous. She's super cop two, two, two or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and put that in right next to mine. Uh because that's same same thing. <laughs> same thing. Same thing. Uh oh, Jackie wow, Jackie was the stunt like there are there are other kinds of stunts. So if you want me to be a little different, I can say something. Jet Li in the beginning of Once Upon a Time in China is absolutely fantastic. It's similar to Michelle Yao in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. The thing that Jet Li did differently than a lot of other people is he did string work in a lot of his movies. So high flying action, stuff like that, little exaggerated movements. And in the beginning, there's a battle on a boat where he is trying to help save his, his boat while also entertaining the shit out of a bunch of passengers. And he's, uh, he's the head of a dragon and he's fighting criminals and doing this insane wire work. And it makes you think the movie is going to be absolutely amazing. And that I, that's the beauty of a lot of nineties action is the amazing opening sequence. And that's usually where you find the best stunt and nothing in once upon a time in China is as good as that opening bit. I still haven't seen it. Oh, that's fine. We can watch the first 10 minutes. That's all you need. (laughs) I will. Um, No, but yeah, like (laughs) that's uh, Michelle Yao definitely earns that shit. Yeah. I think she met, she might've messed. I don't know if it's, I believe it's in the end credits. Okay. I think she messed up on one of them and like almost died. Did she have a safety wire like on a crane above her? Was she just free balling? No, she's free in it. Like you can, you can see her in the close up, and yeah, she's really doing it. It's, it's insane. Mind blowing. And that train is moving. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. All right. This next question, I am particularly interested to hear what your answers are because well, Bart submitted this question himself. (laughs) (laughs) what's the best action scene in a non great movie? This is where Van Damme shines. He is in a lot of terrible movies. And one of those movies I had only seen recently, Ringo Lamb directed it and it is fucking weird and wild and a shining star in the Van Damme world. Even still, that doesn't mean it's a good movie, but the end battle in knockoff if you haven't seen Jean-Claude Van Damme, Rob Schneider together at last <laughs> in Hong Kong. And it's a very convoluted story, but there is a fight scene on a tanker that is just where a ship is rocking back and forth and storage. What are those containers? Containers are flying, closing, slamming. And so there's a lot of weave work crossing and it's, it's, it's like a slip and slide. It's, it's so great. <laughs> and that is like 
the movie did a shot of cocaine. Is that how you do it? It, it did cocaine and really goes for the rails. And it has the most fun in that sequence. And it is definitely worth watching that sequence alone. You know, what's the most ridiculous shot in that movie knockoff is when he's doing like the chariot race with Schneider on his little. Oh my God. And it's, they go inside the shoes. Yeah. yeah. And they explode. No, it's so good. Ringo that happened at my wedding with Andrew's shoes. Yeah. My shoes exploded at his wedding. True you story. Talk about it. <laughs> Why do they do that? <laughs> I like to get the shot of that. So mine is actually very similar to Andrew's. You got one thing wrong. It's actually Choi Hark who directed Knock Off. Oh, I thought Ringo Lamb. No, he did it. Maximum Risk. But Choi Hark also did Double Team with Van Damme, which is not a good movie. No. And it's Van Damme and instead of Roy Schneider, it's Dennis Rodman. And all he does is basketball puns the entire movie. He literally like throws somebody and says like, Airball, like it's so bad. <laughs> I will say, Van Damme later in his career, uh, like mid '90s, started working with all these Hong Kong filmmakers. So he did John Woo with Hard Target, and then he worked with Troy Hark twice for Double Team and Knock Knockoff, and then he did Ringo Lam with a couple of movies as well, uh, Replicant and Maximum Risk. Oh, I'm thinking. So he Replicant. was like working with all these amazing Hong Kong action filmmakers, but the movies like kind of lost in translation like they didn't really work over here but double team is kind of a crappy movie he's like a james bond whatever but there's one scene in a hotel room where he's in the hotel room and this guy comes in and they have an amazing karate fight and the bad guy has like these slippers on and he like kicks them off and he has a switchblade inside like in between his toes Okay. And he's using the switchblade like you would with your hand, but he's doing it with his foot. And he's like fighting Van Damme with like a switchblade foot. And it's, this sounds stupid and it is, but it's amazingly shot and it's actually really well done. Yeah. And they bust up this hotel room, but it's, it's shot in the style that most Hong Kong fight scenes are shot, which is like, you do it shot for shot. You don't do like masters. You like plan out each shot. And it has this like really great, like fluid action to it in a movie that's not very good. But that one scene in the hotel is amazing. And then it ends with like a guy with a gun in a guitar case, like Desperado style, like shooting, yeah. shooting up the hotel room. And it's like this beautiful little piece in the middle of. Doesn't Dennis Rodman also fight a tiger at the end of the movie? Yeah. Dennis Rodman. So there's two good scenes. And Mickey Rourke, they have a fight in the Coliseum yes. with a tiger and there's uh, landmines in the floor. <laughs> yeah. Old landmines. And they hide behind a Pepsi machine to hide behind the blast. You should probably watch this movie actually. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It's like a, it, it's bad, but it's super interesting. <laughs> Knock knockoff does have a great one too. With the the containers is actually a really good fight yeah, scene. Like there's like good fight scenes in not great movies. There was a thing that was on one of the old DVDs that I had of Jean Claude Van Damme drunkenly talking about some of his movies, and that's how I first learned about knockoff because he was like knockoff is a, you know this movie I did, and he just talks about it and they show that scene. I'm like holy shit, I gotta watch this movie. And then I was watching, I'm like, when the fuck does that scene come in? Because this is really rough. And yeah. it also did Double Team and, and, and a bunch of his other like late 90s stuff. Yeah. There's interesting stuff in, in all those movies he did, yeah. even if they're not very good. Yeah. He uh, was also very high on cocaine. Nowhere to run. During all those. Roxanne Arquette's boobs. Yeah. You get everything. They figure it, they figure it out. Next question is about something that we usually don't talk about when it comes to action films. Who is the most badass woman in a 90s action film. This one is 100% would have been a different answer 
two years ago. I just recently saw a movie from 1997 that has genuinely one of the most badass performances by any female in any fucking action movie ever. And that is Rosie Perez in Padita Durango. Padita Durango is Alex de la Iglesia's first American film. Alex de la Iglesia huge, huge film uh, filmmaker, did an amazing show for HBO recently called 30 Coins. It's still streaming. Definitely watch it. But this movie, Javier Bardem, Rosie Perez are just fucking and fighting for two hours and it is nonstop action. They're, they're running away from a cop played by James Gandolfini and there's just so many great moments in this movie. And Rosie Perez is at the center of all of it. She gets amazing lines. She gets a character arc. She gets to shoot people in the face. She like there's there's nothing that doesn't happen in that movie. And it is so great. The movie starts with her being hit on. The waitress asks her if she wants a drink. And she goes, yeah, what do you want? Coke? Diet. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and like it just goes from there and it's so good it's from it's written by the same guy who did wild at heart which was a david lynch movie yeah bring. rosie Perez plays the same yeah. character that isabella uh, yeah, uh, Isabel, plays Isabella rossellini plays wild at heart. and she takes it to a whole nother level i cannot recommend it enough and it looks amazing in 4k available now <laughs> <laughs> severinfilms.com thank you Severed-films.com. No, it is a great movie. And it's actually one of the best releases you guys have put out. People who like haven't gone deep onto Javier Bardem's earlier work and stuff. I mean, he is like... Unbelievable. Yeah, like it's like No Country for Old Men, not just the haircut, but like his whole performance. I was about to say, don't he worry. also has a weird haircut. Was, don't worry. If you really love action movies for the mullets, Javier Bardem has one. <laughs> but she is badass in that yeah, movie. She's absolutely amazing. It was it was also Michelle Yeoh. That was my original answer. If it had not have been for Rosie Perez. I'm going to go with a person who they kept trying to turn into an action star and it didn't work. But one of those movies is amazing. And that is Gina Davis in The Long Kiss Goodnight. Yes! This is also my uh, list. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Gina Davis, they made Cutthroat Island. It was like one of the biggest bombs of all time. It she was, was it the center. The company. Yeah, it killed Carlico Films. Like it, it was a total bomb. And her and her husband, Rennie Harlan, made it. And after that, they reteamed for Long Kiss Goodnight, which is Shane Black wrote the script, who's one of the best action writers like of all time. Yes. Uh, Lethal 100%. Weapon, etc. She is so amazing in this movie. I mean, she basically plays a woman with amnesia who slowly realizes that she was an assassin. And her like transition from normal housewife into like this really ice cold killer is amazing. And she pulls it off awesomely. I mean, yeah, there's a scene where they're basically water torturing her she won't admit that she was like an assassin and they, they're, they have her in like a wheel. Uh, what do you call that? Like a water wheel? Water wheel. Yeah. Water, yeah. water wheel. Or I don't know what you call that. A water mill? Water. Yeah. It's like a water mill. Yeah. And they've got her tied to it and they put her under the water and basically are like drowning her slowly, then pulling her up and they pull her up the last time. And she's like basically totally transformed into the killer. And she's so badass. And she yeah. spends the rest of the movie and Sam Jackson plays her uh, sidekick and they have like the most amazing chemistry, but she carries that movie as well as Bruce Willis or Stallone or any yeah. of those guys. Like she just has the chops and it kind of bumps me out that she didn't do more. I mean, I know it didn't, 
neither well, movie set the world on fire. That was but, the whole thing about yeah. that movie is that it was so it was odd casting and that's what made it badass. Yeah. I don't know if you could do that again without that setup and that delivery because seeing the transition is the genuine payoff of that film and watching her become that and just seeing it click like you get excited because you're like holy shit this is why she was a super spy same with a true lies with uh jamie lee curtis like when she finally has that scene at the end you're like holy shit this is amazing yeah like it's that same thing and it's because you have that transition you have that story arc and you get to see them have that moment yeah so that that was that it was like one of the first movies that the woman was the central action hero because you mm-hmm. had all these great ones. You had like Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2, but yeah. she's still like sidelined to Arnold. She's you know? not on the poster. She's totally awesome, but she's not, you know, the main person. And I feel mm-hmm. like Gina Davis was one of the first ones to like really like be Take this the screen, central yeah. thing, which like now you see like Charlize Theron is like kind of doing the same thing. And I don't, I don't know if like people just weren't ready because that movie's yeah. awesome. I don't know why people didn't love it, but it was almost on my list as um, best con- non-conventional kill because that kitchen scene is so great. Then mm. I re- went back and reviewed it. I was like, oh, it's not, it's it's not as non-conventional. She uses kitchen utensils, but it's their their kitchen utensils made to cut shit. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know if I could count that. No, that that movie definitely deserves to be in a time capsule. Yeah. Great, great movie. Another one goes on my list that I haven't seen. I like this. This is great. Oh, oh man, Luke, you gotta see it. it. Like, it's it's like solid action movie. If like, you like action movies, yeah. surrounded by Christmas time. Shane Black is your favorite filmmaker and writer. Yeah, and Samuel <laughs> Jackson's just delivering nuggets of fu- like great one-liners over yeah. and over. It's amazing. It's really good. Where did you guys put the? Is it the good guy? The good guys. Oh, the nice guys. Nice guys. The nice guys. Yeah. Like or dislike? Love I it. liked it. I liked it. I was at the premiere. Yeah, I think it's. I think Ryan Gosling is really funny in that. I feel like that script's a little bit more clever. This is yeah. a little it's bit more kiss, more kiss, bang, bang. Yeah, this is a little bit more actiony. You know, yeah. who directed it? Which one? Who, who directed Long, Long Kiss Goodnight? Rennie Harlan. Yeah, I was about to say that Shane Black isn't the kind of director who does action yes. as much as he does humor and and quick dialogue that you know yeah plays with his his screenwriting yeah but Rennie Harlan has the chops of making a great film and especially in that time period oh I mean God, he yeah. was doing Die Hard two Cliffhanger he obviously did Cuthbert Island which did mm-hmm. not do well but like he was like in his peak like pretty Deep Blue Sea mode <laughs> I uh, I have a special place in my heart for Deep Blue Sea so, so shut up I. all right every action movie cannot be complete without a bad guy or a villain so I want to know who is the villain that you would go and grab a beer with. That you could, you know, you might have some rapport with. Why well, have a beer with one person when you can have a beer with two people? So why not do Castor Troy and Face Off so you can have a beer with John Travolta or Nicolas Cage? I mean, did you put the same thing? Nick Cage looks like a motherfucking joy to be with. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he put the same I thing. He is the kind of guy he's who having would a great pay time. for everything because at the end of the night, he's going to kill everybody other than you because you're bros. Yeah. I could eat a peach for hours. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like an absolute joy. He does seem, I mean, when he's not killing people though, he does seem like he's a pretty good, good time guy. Yes. You know, you could waterfall each other's faces with your hands. Think of hands his on intro when he comes faces. out as a priest and he's just rocking, oh, dancing, yeah. having a blast. That's who I want to do Jaeger bombs with. I've never done a Jaeger bomb, but I would do it with Gastro Troy. Yeah. I wonder if he'd let me get in that case with the chiclets. Yes. And the guns. You would. He had a lot of cool stuff in that little case that his brother carried around. I mean, he's got a private jet. I mean, he, he does want- have a private jet. Get on that G 
six. I don't know. G five. Yeah. G five. <laughs> I know a lot about planes. Your your other brother would kill you because yeah. he's such a plane boy. <laughs> plane guy. No, I mean that's the go to. Why why have yeah. one when you have two? And it, he's a blast. Because honestly, most villains in the nineties, if we when I went through, I was like, I don't want to hang out with any of these guys. Yeah. A lot of nineties action movies really were cop based films and usually corrupt cops were were a very, very, very common yeah. theme. Even Dennis Hopper and Speed, he like used to be a cop. Yeah. And-, and cops, no offense, not fun to be around because they're like, <laughs> uh, remember that time I shot somebody? Yeah, I'm going to drink to that. Oh, that was a bad day for me. You know, I want to have fun with somebody. And yeah, Castro Troy, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Aligned. Finally. Your powers combined. Is that the first time we've picked Um, the same thing? Michelle Yao as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just gave an honorable mention. There's no one else I'd rather have a drink with. I agree. All right. I hope you can nail the impersonation with this this next question. Oh, boy. Oh, God. What is your favorite one-liner from the hero? Man, okay. This category is absolutely made for Arnold Schwarzenegger because he had a dry delivery that worked so well with giving lines. Like in the 80s, they really hit their peak with Running Man, for example. Like it's just one liners. <laughs> he, is, he is Sub-Zero, now just plain zero. Like it's just so good. Ro- Have you ever seen Raw Deal with Arnold Schwarzenegger? No. Nope. It's not a good movie. Don't see it. Just know that this line exists. His wife throws a cake at the wall and he goes, you should never drink and bake. And it's it's like, it's so good. And I I definitely would say that the pinnacle was the satire of Last Action Hero because there is so much good stuff and he's playing himself in the 80s and he just had fun. And I guarantee they just played out a bunch of different lines that would work and landed with one. And nothing says 90s action better than Arnold Schwarzenegger as Macbeth. (laughs) To be... Or not to be, to be <laughs> an explosion. <laughs> also, Total Recall, consider this a divorce and he kills his wife. Come on, it's so good. He does kind of own that world, right? <laughs> but he's got the most per capita. I'm fascinated by the ones that like don't work. <laughs> like, I love the one liners that like somebody wrote and then. I know exactly where you're going. Do with you this. know what I'm going to pick? Yes. And because this one still like perplexes me to this day, and be <laughs> and because it's like the last line, it's like the last line of the movie, and you're like building up, and it's like, ooh, this movie's about to end, it's gonna be awesome, and then it's like, wait, what? So, at the end of the movie, Blade, is that what you're thinking? No. Oh, oh God, I can't. The last showdown in Tokyo. Oh, that one's great, but that's not the last line of the movie. Oh my God. So the end of the movie, Blade, right? Wesley Snipes <laughs> is about to kill the bad guy, and then. He goes, some motherfuckers always try to ice skate uphill. <laughs> and then he kills him. And I'm like, wait, what? Because this movie has had no ice skating in it at all. Like zero. Like, where did he even pull that metaphor of ice skating? And I get the idea, which is like, why would you ice skate uphill? But even that, like, it's like, it's like such a weird line so to specific. end your movie. And it's so specific, like, and it's specific to nothing that happened in this movie. Right. Like use a vampire line, like you suck and then like shoot him or something. But can I, can I bring up the one that you brought Please, up? I thought this was where you're going. I, I'm sorry. This one actually is like, 
It's actually one of my favorite one-liners because it's awful. So there's a movie called Showdown in Little Tokyo. There's a scene where they're like in. <laughs> it's right before the final standoff. Yes. And Dolph Lundgren, they're in his. He like lives in a dojo for whatever reason. And he had had just had sex with Tia Carrera, like in a hot tub. Right. <laughs> and Brandon Lee's like inside the house and you don't know what he's doing. But all these goons start coming around the house and they're in there and they're loading their guns. Music's ramping up. Rump, yeah, it's getting ready. And then Brandon Lee turns to Dolph Lundgren and goes, hey, man, before we do this, I just need to tell you something. You got the biggest dick I've ever seen on a man. <laughs> and then Dolph Lundgren goes, thank you. <laughs> and it's the weirdest exchange. It's like, wait, what? Like, that's your, like, last line before you both die is that you I had, really appreciated Dolph Lundgren's wang. He had the biggest dick. Not only the biggest dick he's ever seen on a man. On a man. Yeah, he goes, so you say, yeah, he does say, you have the biggest dick I've ever seen on a man. I rewound <laughs> it. I had to fucking watch it again to see if I missed something. It is so, it pulled me so out of it, but it is also cemented in my brain as one of the best things I've ever heard. Yeah. But then I also like think of like Brandon Lee is inside and he's like looking through the window at them. <laughs> And, the and Dolph Lundgren like disrobes and he's like, oh my God, I got to bring this up. Ryan I'm going to bring this up to him later. Okay. True or false. Has one of you guys said that line to the other person right now? I, I, I think and you just watched it the other day. I just saw it. I was doing research because I had a, a stack of movies I haven't watched yet that I've been meaning to. And that was like number one. No, I haven't used either. They're both too <laughs> freaking weird to ever use. <laughs> So we've talked, we've talked about a few movies today that have taken place like just before the 90s, late 80s, mid 80s, some of the best action movies. But I guess we want to know what is the best 90s action sequel? I think we can say the same thing at the same time. I don't know correct. if yours is the same as mine. Yeah, go at the same time. One, two, three. Drunken Robocop Master 2. 2. What did you say? Drunken Master 2. Oh, that's not mine. It's fucking amazing it's it does the evil dead 2 thing where it does the same story but better and the finale fight in drunken master 2 as we said is amazing so i don't need to go too deep into it robocop 2 have never seen it okay robocop 1 is like the best right it's just like a really great movie paul verhoeven's awesome and then robocop 2 comes out they basically are like okay robocop is too he kills too many people and they're like so literally the company ocp programs him so that he's really nice and he's friendly and he's like gee whiz everybody and everybody hates him right <laughs> and it's like that's basically how they treated the movie then they make a character the villain the villain's name is robocop 2 <laughs> And RoboCop fights <laughs> RoboCop 2. And RoboCop 2 is bigger, has more stuff, and RoboCop still wins. And it's just like, I think there's this weird kind of thing in RoboCop 2 where it's like a critique on how sequels can go completely wrong. And they usually do when they do like sequels. And it's a pretty good action movie. They, they did all the right things. They got the director of The Empire Strikes Back, so you know it's somebody <laughs> who knows how to do a sequel. Yeah, It's got a, dr a drug in it called Nuke. That you put in your neck, it gets you all jacked up. <laughs> but it's like a it's a solid follow-up sequel and it never gets any love. We've got one question left before we get to your personal favorite movie. What movie has the most satisfying ending or villain death? I you know, I was having trouble with this one because I was trying to think of like a fun one and like trying to like and then I, I just kept coming back to one that's not fun at all. And I don't even know if it's satisfying because, I mean, it could be satisfying. I, I find it satisfying, but I can see people think it's a bummer. But uh, Luke Besson's The Professional has just one of my favorite endings because 
Jean Reno's walking away. You think he's going to get out of there. He like disguises himself. And then Gary Oldman's right behind him. He shoots him and you think he's going to die. And then he opens his hand. He has the grenade pins and he kills Gary Oldman. He like sat and he says, this is for Matilda. And like the relationship between him and Natalie Portman is so Mm -hmm. great in that movie. And the fact that he like sacrifices himself to kill him and so that she can have a life outside. And then she plants the trees, plant his house plant outside, even though it probably won't survive because it's a house plant and it should be put inside. I don't know. I was just, I kept going back to that scene. What makes a really good, satisfying ending is when the villain is truly awful, right? And Gary Oldman's such an evil person in that movie. And he's so awful that his death is like cathartic because you're just like, Thank God. This is like the worst person. He's so evil. I think that movie deserves to be somewhere on this list because it's, it is. I've actually never seen it. You've never, I just, I, I just ruined the ending No, for it's you. okay. <laughs> I have a terrible memory. I, I, I've seen, I've seen the Le, Le Femme Nikita. I actually watched it again recently and I realized it's not as much of an action movie as I remember. Ah, being. yeah. I wish I watched The Professional more because I remember they brought back that character again because he was so great in the original. Yeah. A mine very similarly is a dastardly dude big old piece of shit the entire movie. So when he finally gets that comeuppance at the very end, I mean, this movie, it's emotionally drawing a a character that I I did not see getting a starring role and completely blowing my mind. And I'm obviously talking about Gene Hackman at the end of the quick and the dead. And I know what you're saying. This is not an action movie. No motherfucker. That film is so action packed. Have you ever seen the quick and the dead? Long time ago. Sam Raimi directed a movie starring Sharon Stone. When I saw Sharon Stone as the, as the lead in this gunslinger movie, I was already like, hold the phone. Early performances by Leonardo DiCaprio. There's so many great people in there. Just action. It's and If you've ever seen a, a Sam Raimi movie, you know he knows how to work a camera, make something cinematic, super fun. Gene Hackman is just causing everybody absolute anguish. Russell Crowe looks amazing with a, a cowboy mullet. And it's so it's got all the action movie tropes. It also is just like... He's making everybody's life a living hell. There's a mystery as to why. So you already hate him. You don't know why. As you find out that final moment where Sharon Stone gets the shot on Gene Hackman, the movie is just gunslinger moment, gunslinger moment, gunslinger moment. And then this moment of pure tension followed by two guns going off and then a shot of the shadow of Gene Hackman with a hole clean through his body. I was like, no Fucking thank God this piece of shit is gone. It is the most rewarding feeling I have felt this year. I'd never seen that movie until a couple months ago. I bought the 4K for like $2 and it is by far one of my new favorite films. I was so happy to have discovered this one and I was so mad that I did not see this earlier because I could imagine this being on replay for years and that moment will never not be satisfying i watched it again before this is like watching the end of whiplash and you just feel the the energy and the emotion and you're so excited and you're gritting your teeth and then the end happens and you're like fuck that was amazing i feel that i watched the ending of this movie three times just because it's that great wow that movie has grown like in my mind every time i watch it it gets better and better well, guys, uh, we've had such a diverse list. This has been pretty awesome. We've gotten through like subcategories upon subcategories. We've covered the amazing and the kind of awesomely bad. 
And now it's time for your personal favorite 90s action movie. The way that I put it to people is you got to go into your bunker for the end of the world. You've got time to grab one movie or download one movie. What are you taking with you? This is the easiest thing I've ever had to answer. Axel Foley is back. And this time he's in Disneyland. I'm talking Beverly Hills Cop 3, baby. Directed by John Landis in his prime. Would you, did you just look at him like, I excuse I me? I can't tell if you're joking This is not. the best. No, it's on my list. Right next to Rumble in the Bronx, but we talked enough about Chan and, and, and this the is unconventional action this is star. This the stupidest thing you've ever done. This is personal preference. You think it's dumb, but it's truly when I moved to Los Angeles and I went to Universal Studios, I did not ask for a bar, but I was damn well bummed that Battlestar Galactica people were invading the under underwater like stunt show. Earthquake. Earthquake. I was so bummed that they weren't down there because I, I watched this movie more than any other movie for a long period of time. I went through a big Eddie Murphy phase when I was a kid. I was a huge fan of Golden Child. Does not hold up. I was very bummed. But Beverly Hills Cop, when I got the three pack for $13, the day it came out, damn fucking straight. That was the first movie I put in. It has everything I love about John Landis movies, directing cameos, bad lines, good lines, terrible action, and something that I love that is very 90s sequel where they couldn't get the same members of the cast as the first one. So they try to find a quick replacement. And Judge Reinhold is back, but his partner is not. And they find a guy that looks kind of like him, and he's not playing the same dude, but they want you to have the same emotional connection as Axel Foley and that dude in the original. Hector Elizondo. Hector Elizondo, thank you. And it just doesn't work, but it's also kind of beautiful. And there is an amazing weapon in this movie. Who's the guy? Serge. 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 I can't remember the actor's name, but the guy who plays Serge has one of the things that I often quote, shut the fuck up. No, I cannot. I cannot shut up. I'm so happy. And he gives, he gives James Bond style weapons and a fucking gun that has a microwave and a CD player. I'm telling you, dude, revisit this movie. It is so great and dumb and beautiful and so perfect. That is why it is a personal film. It doesn't have to be everyone's favorite. Bart is genuinely mad. Have you have you seen this, Luke? I saw it when I was like, I don't know, 10 when it came out As to video. You should. Yeah, I don't remember shit besides the I remember the underground part, but that's about it. Where they're like printing money. Yeah. All right, Bart, what do you got? The best 90s action movie is one that combines all the good action tropes. It has different types of action. It's funny. But it's also never takes itself too seriously. And that would be Point Break. I mean, Point, Point Break is, Break is to me, like the best action movie of the 90s. You got Catherine Bigelow coming out hard, like showing the guys how it's done. You got Keanu Reeves in a role that is just like almost tailor made for him. Like, oh, you're going to be a surfer. Like, that makes perfect sense. You got Gary Busey just ordering meatball subs. And then you have a Swayze as like a kind of a complicated villain where he's like super charismatic, not super evil. Like he, he's actually, he's not even really that evil. He's just trying to continue the endless summer, right? He just wants to keep making money so he can surf. I would definitely have a beer with him too. I would probably have a beer with him as well. He seems like a good dude. Uh, the thing that makes Point Break so great is that it has all these different action beats. So you have surfing, you have skydiving, 
It has one of the greatest foot chases. I think yeah. we can all agree that one of the best foot chases in any movie. I mean, and the way that Catherine Bigelow shoots and edits that scene is incredible. It's obviously en- endlessly quotable as well. And on top of that, it's such a great movie that The Fast and the Furious made the same movie and has developed an entire franchise based off the plot of Point Break. True. Guys, your knowledge has been amazing, insane, ridiculous. You put film fans to shame with everything that you guys know. Except for our trivia. Yeah, trivia is not great. Except for your fucking trivia. But, yeah. You need me on your team is what you're saying. (laughs) There's one last thing we need to do to close up your capsule, and that's you each need to provide a little bit of Foley for your capsule closing. I think Andrew should go second because I think he's going to be better than you, actually. Okay, I'm ready. that's pressure. Um... That was Mystery good. Science Theater 3000 yeah, like seven, seven doors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Pressure seal, combination locks. Fucking, what? How am I supposed to follow that? Was, I don't know. I'm like the guy in Police Academy over here. Yeah, I didn't know I was hanging out with Michael Winslow. <laughs> Man, all right. Let me close my capsule. My keypad is actually voiced by Michael Winslow to do the keypad. One, nine, six. <laughs> Closed. (laughs) Before you guys go, do you want to promote anything or talk about anything that you're currently working on or about to be working on? Both Bart and I are letterboxed fans. And pretty much if you wanted to, I love talking about movies with people and getting recommendations because half the stuff on this list in my time capsule are recommendations, not just from Bart, but people like him. I I love finding stuff like that. So find me on Twitter at Andrew for Taco, same as Instagram and Letterbox. Send me your movie recommendations. I love watching shit. Yeah. Barton Kibble of Letterbox. And I don't know, the voice doesn't come back till September. So it's a long wait, but you can watch that if you want. Gentlemen, thank you so much for doing all of the research for this category. You have definitely blown my mind with how many you have seen. For the listener, I hope you have added some movies to your watch list from today. Lastly, I will give you one final piece of trivia. Do you know what movie this line comes from? Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Oh my God, I'm so awful at this. Where we go from there? And it's from the 90s. Could you give a year? 99. Oh, I know oh, what it is. The Matrix. Uh, the Matrix. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> Why am I awful at this? It's it's hard when you can't hear the fucking voice and it's just me. God, I just watched that movie again too. I suck. Also, I know, that movie fu. should have been on the list somewhere, but what are you going to do?